Since the beginning of time, people have always found creative ways of communicating. This is my way. I'm Kyle Leon Henderson, and we need to talk. what today is. It's my favorite day because Mandy Shannara is here. That's right. Nobody knows who Mandy is yet, but you will by the end of the show. I guarantee it. She is Ethan's best friend since kindergarten. And seven years ago, I met her, fell in love just like Ethan did. And now we are besties too. And once a year, just like my mother, she takes a trek to New York to have a fabulous New York vacation, and that's what we're doing now. So, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. I would say thanks for being on the podcast, but you don't have a choice. Because there are people like you and my friend Chloe, who I watch The Bachelorette with, I'm like, you're funny, you're smart, you're intelligent, you have to be on my show, because I'm building a show. If this is indentured servitude, I'm all for it, so (laughs) sign me up. So, just like always, we have a cup of coffee, we have things going on in the world, we have things going on in our lives, and we need to talk. Yeah, we do. So, how have you been... Since the last year we've been together, I've talked to you a bit, but... I feel like what you're really asking is how have I been since the election? (laughs) Uh, That is true. That is true. Um, You mean in addition to eating my feelings and Mm -hmm. uh, rage crying and uh, screaming into pillows whenever I log on to Twitter? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, okay, I guess. Well, I'm wondering, do do you have, like, things in your life that have gotten so much better since the election, or not really? God, no. Like, nothing nothing that has gotten better as a direct result of the election. Well, not as a direct result of the the election, but things in your life since the election that you're like, oh, this whole world's falling apart, but that's really good. Oh, well... I mean, they're like, I guess, good things. There are definitely good things in my life still. I haven't completely melted into a pool of sad puppy tears and drowned myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, I feel like I'm, you know, getting better at writing. Writing is my passion in life. and it's your job, so. That, too. Um, (laughs) So I've been working my ass off trying to get published, Mm -hmm. making strides slowly but surely. I'm going to pause you, because working your ass off to get published is not an accurate statement. Working your ass off to get published again is a, pu- okay, is a more accurate true, statement. True. Just going to correct you. I will not let you diminish your own <laughs> successes in life. Uh, you sure know how to make a girl blush. <laughs> well, I, I, I do what I can. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like, the reason I ask is because everybody knows that knows me personally knows I had a very traumatic experience after the election. Just, it, I mean, and, and I don't think mine's... Very, my. I don't think mine is unique. I think it's that I wear my feelings on the outside, and I show people I'm angry. I show people I'm excited. I show people who I am, and I show people 
that um, this is not good. And um, but that's the thing. I was one of the people who did preach. Let's give him a chance. But before I could even give him a chance, he screwed it up. And I was like, okay. And then people came back to me. They're like, you are dogging him on on his social media, and you don't you don't give him a chance. I'm like, no, no. I gave him a chance. He just didn't take it. He started screwing. I said, I was perfect. If he was going to be a George Bush, if he was even going to be a Reagan, if he was going to be any of them, I would have been like, well, that isn't what we politically wanted, but he's doing his job. I was always in the, uh, I'll call it the Maya Angelou camp. She said, mm-hmm. if when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. And I was like, you know, he doesn't seem to care about people in this country unless they are rich, straight, white, cis dudes. So I'm not really, I don't want to give him a chance because I don't think he deserves one. And that's fair. And th- that's the thing. He only likes those cis, white Dudes who are and women who who he deems fuckable, right? Exactly. He only likes them based on what he can benefit from a friendship with them too. He doesn't so, believe in their inherent worth and human dignity. Exactly. It's what he can get it's, out it's of all, them. I mean, it's yeah. it's the most succinct form of narcissism. But ever since the election, um, I've been talking about it sort of casually, this thing and that thing, and I'm I'm. We're wrapping up the summer now, and I've been kind of podcasting sporadically throughout the summer. Um, so, wrapping up, I want to just kind of package the stuff going on in my life um, pretty succinctly. So, in April, I turned 30. I quit my job. Like, I quit without another job. I have... Because you and I both are artists, and we both have what I call secondary careers right now mm-hmm. that pay some bills, but we all... But our primary career is writer and personality, entertainer, podcaster, improver. I haven't really nailed down a, a title yet. Entertainer. Entertainer. Um, so I quit my secondary career. Cold. I still don't have one. Don't have a secondary career. I've been acting this summer. I've been doing some projects. And I've been working on this. But Ethan and I also decided to move to California. That's uh, actually, the, I think, the first time I've mentioned it on the podcast. So this is breaking news. Breaking news. Um, Kyle and Ethan are moving to L.A. <laughs> coming to you live. Winter 2017. Winter is coming. So, um, but yeah, but that kind of stuff, like, I don't know. I, I feel like everything of that, I mean, you're, you're here. We're packing up the house this week to s- s- ship things to storage. Um, I like to believe things are getting better, but it is, this has been so stressful. But, like, that's what I mean. Like, I, I know so many people who've created such change in their life since the election. Like, I have a friend who got a divorce. I got a friend who finally got married. I got a friend who moved away. Um, and, I, you know, and we're moving away. And there's so many people here in New York who are moving all over the place. Not just L.A., not just back to their hometown. They're like something new. So, I don't know. It just feels like a lot of people have used a really bad situation to to just turn their gaze inward and focus on themselves completely. Yeah. And so, I was just wondering if there was anything like that that you were just like, me time. Yeah, like, I think people are waking up. Uh, well, let me rephrase. I think white people are waking up mm-hmm. because, let's be honest, everybody else couldn't afford to not 
be paying attention to what's going right. on. I mean, so it's like it's crazy. Oh, you know, white people are waking up, and it's like, wow, this is really bad. We need to get involved and do more. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some things I've done differently. Uh, so I'm from Alabama originally. That's mm-hmm. how. Ethan and Kyle. We're all, know yeah, each we're other. all from uh, all Alabamians, Alabamians here. Alabamians that and have like, transplanted because you now live in Ohio. Yeah. And tell me if you ever felt like this. Like, Alabama is not a super politically active place. And I think it's because it's so red. And so if you're a liberal, it's like you're just kind of squashed, you know, like you're just stamped out. And like, there's not like a ton. I mean, there is now, you know, with everything mm-hmm. that's happening since Trump. But like, before it was like there wasn't a ton of protest. I didn't see, like, it wasn't a, a, like, just normal part of your day to, like, just call up your representatives, whereas, like, Ohio is a swing state, and I live in the capital, Columbus, so it's like, Mm. Columbus is a pretty, like, political city, like, I mean, they're... yeah. Or because lots. it's a college town. So yeah, that got too. Young, yes, passionate people. I mean, almost like I, I, I say, college students are going through their political puberty. Then mm-hmm. their their political hormones yeah. are just on fire. So the conservatives are extremely conservative and want to, you know, gun rights and stay, you know, and privatization of yeah. the, of capitalism. And the liberals are like, no, everybody needs that. So. But You're in that town where that's going yeah, on. Yeah, and there are like a ton of nonprofits that are politically and human rights focused uh, that are super active. I mean, it's almost hard, and it's it's hard to like find people who are not in some way politically really? active. So almost, yeah. Has like I mean, a not that I'm in, not in, that I'm looking because I like people who are politically active and I right. like people you who kind care. Of, you kind of but pull that into you. It's like anyway. I mean, my fiance is a political reporter at the state house. Like we know people have worked on campaigns. Like it's mm-hmm. it's just part of the culture and the fabric of right. society in Columbus well, in a see, way that I did not feel in Alabama. And that's I have a very different um, point of view for someone who can't who is a liberal from Alabama because I do see what you mean. Like the protests weren't that like we knew about protests from like the '60s when mm-hmm. you know there was you know the the marching in the parks and when they were trying to integrate schools and when oh, there yeah. was the Montgomery bus boycott. We knew it in a civil stuff. like in a civil rights sense and a historical right. sense, but, but not was, in a this can still happen present day. Kind but of I was sense. born in '87, so that was. 25 years before I was born and 30 years basically before you were born so you weren't there yet so it was just something that happened in the past but my my point of view growing up in Alabama is much different because I'm from a Democrat political family my uh-huh. grandfather was a Democrat politician um, they asked me to sort of get they wanted me to start grooming me they wanted to start grooming me for political office and i chose not to go down that route so um it's different like I, I grew up not knowing I, I knew I would never be a Republican there was never a moment in my entire life that I ever thought I would be a Republican because my grandfather was a Democrat and my parents were Democrats and my grandfather was until the day he died both my grandmothers that I knew I have three grandmothers because my biological maternal grandmother um passed away before I was born and so I have a step-grandmother and so both the grandmothers I knew growing up, they were Democrats. Um, and I tried to even, like, sort of get into a really succinct conversation with my father once about Condoleezza Rice and how much and how I did actually admire her. And he was like, well, she's a Republican. And I'm like, well, so? And he goes, she can't be any good. 
And I was like, well, there we go. So that that's what I grew up in. I was like... You're so lucky. I like... They were like... well, And that was so funny because um, I have a... I recorded a podcast that never actually aired. Um, and I might try to do it. Ooh, um, secret podcast. Well, I mean, because I have talked about how I had a podcast last year and I, I sort of put her to bed. Yeah. And I'm sort of going to fold her into the, the fabric of this podcast. And that was one of the episodes that never aired of Kyle's Friends Are Funny. Um, because I knew that my grandparents had always said, well, the Republicans don't care about the poor man. And that's why we're Democrats. And so I was like, I wonder. And so there are some, like my grandfather's best friend was his next door neighbor who's still alive today. And he, <laughs> his name is Donald Freeman. He has changed his name. He call he go, I think he goes by Mortimer now. Like, because cause all the older men, you know, my parents' age, because my dad is uh, 69 this year, and so all the older, 60, late 60s, early 70s men go to the community center and sit around and chat like old men are supposed to, and my dad told my mom one time, he was like, well, Mortimer will be there today, and mom's like, who the heck is Mortimer? And he goes, Mortimer Freeman. He's married to Anne. She goes, you mean Donald? He goes, oh, no, he won't go by Donald anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so, it's just so silly, but... um. So, Donald Freeman and my cousin, uh, Gerald, who is my mom's first cousin, I sat down with them last year because I was like, I want to see how big is the gap between old school Democrats and somebody who's me, like me, who is socially aware, socially, I hate using this word, but it is what it is, socially woke. Um, so, I sat down and it's really not that big, big of a gap. Hmm. Um, because like my, cause I was raised in the church of Christ and, um, my, uh, cousin who went to church with us and he said, and I said, I want to know about your views and like, cause I know that you have, I said, if I think of you, there's two things I think of. You're a great Christian man and you're a, you're a Democrat politician. And he said, I said, how do you, I said, there are things that you're taught in your Christian faith that you don't stand for in your political views, like abortion or same-sex marriage. And so he said, it doesn't matter what I believe. He said, does it matter to you that I believe you're going to go to heaven or hell for having an abortion? What matters is that you have the right to choose that. He's like, I can go to church on Sunday and and, and think in my heart that, well, she's probably going to go to hell for having that abortion. But he said, but... Monday through Friday, I'm going to fight like hell to get, keep you the, to keep that right for you, because it's not you don't get to have that chosen for you. He's like, I can go to church and believe you're a sinner, but you have the right. And he's like, same goes for same sex marriage. He's like, you have the right. So that's all there is to it. And I'm just like, oh, okay. So done and done. The gap's closed. It's it, you know. And right now, um. Because it may be a little confusing listening to these podcasts um, right now because they're kind of coming out sporadically. But right now, as we sit, I'll say the date. It is August 21st. So we have just had Charleston. Today was the day of the eclipse. People are like, are just losing their ever-loving minds this week. I mean, <laughs> rightfully just, so. You know, it's just... And people are talking about tearing down monuments and... I say tear them down. Tear them all down. 
Like, so. I mean, so Columbus, Ohio was obviously named after Columbus, mm-hmm. uh, who, let's be honest, did not discover a damn thing. You can't no. discover something when people are already there, you dumb shit. Right. Anyway, so I'm all for toppling monuments around my city. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, at the bottom line for me, and I don't, and I never wanted to make this a political podcast. It's um, almost hard not to get but political it really, these like, days. It really is not to, not hard not to get political these days. If you're, I mean, I am a political person and, and anybody who has been my friend on Facebook, I will always give a platform to a conservative. If a conservative wants to come on this podcast and talk about their views, they have a place. If you can that my, my policy is if you can succinctly, and I've used that word three times, it's in my head today, I guess. If you can succinctly give me your point of view, I can't. I mean, and back that, it up with and facts. And back it up with facts. And um, not be like, oh, that's mm-hmm. just my opinion or that's what right. my church says. Cause well, like, and that's, that's the thing. Bullshit. I've been doing that for the last few weeks. I've been asking people, tell me about your president. You are such a fan of him. Tell me about him. Tell me what you love about him. And for the first few weeks, or for the first few posts, you know, people were like, well, Hillary this. I was like, no, no, no. I said, tell me about your president. I said, I'm not going to debate you. I'm not going to try to change your mind about what you love about Donald Trump. But tell me about it. And they got nothing. They have nothing. They can't tell me. Because there is nothing to love unless you're an asshole. (laughs) So it's just, it's odd, um, all that. But today, you and I have had an adventure. Yes. Mandy and I have did not have eclipse glasses. We fried our retinas <laughs> staring into the we sun like, like dumb sun. motherfuckers. <laughs> and now our eyeballs <laughs> are throbbing and we're going to go blind shortly. So. Well, we both, like, it was so funny because we were, like, trying to, like, like, I wish, I wish this was, this is the only time I'll ever wish that this was a video podcast, video broadcast of some sort, because we were trying to shake our heads real fast to see the sun, but not stare directly at the sun and get a glimpse of the eclipse, and we couldn't. But then, justice was served for, well, I guess this is not, I should be very careful how I use the word justice these days, because this is not justice, this is just my little cute. It was poetic irony. Poetic irony, that's yes. what it was. All these people, because they said at 2.44pm is going to be the pinnacle of the eclipse in New York City. It's going to be 76% of the sun is blocked out, and that's going to be when it happens at 2.44pm. We are at, we're on 5th Avenue on the east side. Trying to, because we went to take a, a beautiful picture of you flipping off Trump Tower today. Success! Both of my did. middle fingers were in the air. Because it was a replica of your, um, uh, you were replicating the silhouette of your favorite comic. Yes, uh, shout out to my favorite comic on the planet, which is super feminist and feisty. It's called Bitch Planet, and it was written by Kelly Sue DeConnick. Uh, illustrated by Valentine Delandro. The second volume just came out. Go get it. It's fantastic. But yeah, in the cover uh, of volume one, she has her arms raised and middle fingers in the air. And I thought, that needs to happen and in front of Trump Tower. Exactly. Well, because and fuck too, that shit. This, this, um, this uh, comic that you read, it's one of the most successful comics not inside the 
DC or Marvel universe, right? True. It's, yes. I mean, because I mean, we it's all know those are the jur- juggernauts, mm-hmm. um, and you're never gonna. I mean, because they have so many entities within entities that you're not gonna ever sell more than Marvel or DC because they own too much and they have too much content, and they have that. But this is in Image Comics. Yes. So. Uh, who also publishes the Saga series, which is doing incredibly well. So Image is getting on up there. And good for them. Yes. We're in the age of toppling the juggernauts. Yes. So, um, but yeah, we're on Fifth Avenue to go flip off the Trump Tower. All these people are looking up into the sky like the second coming of Jesus is here. Got their eclipse glasses on and everything. And at 2.44, what do you think happens? The storm clouds roll right over the sun, and they've all missed it. And you hear this collective <laughs> groan of, oh, oh. It was the creepiest thing I've ever heard in New York City, because there are at least 2,000, 3,000 people kind of trickled around the, the bottom of Lower East Corner of uh, Central Park. And it's just people everywhere, wall to wall on the streets, and all of them just, oh. (laughs) The rapture ain't coming today, assholes. Not at all. Quit blocking the sidewalk. (laughs) Step to the left. (laughs) I did like what uh, one of the people that I go to church with, Mary O'Shaughnessy, giving you a shout out. Uh, because she works with um, social justice nonprofits here in New York City. She wrote on Facebook the other day, Dear God... If you want us to impeach Donald Trump, please send us a sure sign, like blotting out the sun for just a few moments one day. I think that might have been a good sign. It is a sign from the universe. It is. Well, I am going to go get a cup of coffee, and we'll be right back. up so the paper doesn't wrap. We're back. And uh, that was Mandy folding up the directions to my Tamagotchi because I bought one, ironically, a couple of years ago. I never could keep them alive. I mean, I... And... I would tell myself at, like, eight years old, I'm going to keep this Tamagotchi alive. I'm going to grow old with this thing as my pet. And then I'd forget to feed it for a week. And I'm like, oh, I'm so irresponsible. And then I would cry because I was an overachieving eight-year-old and wanted to keep that Tamagotchi alive. (laughs) And I just could not do. Well, luckily, you've gotten better about keeping your pets alive. Oh, yes. Three beautiful cats. Yes. All three fur devils, all of which are alive and healthy. Do not call the ASPCA on me. The cats will hate you because they love me. Mm-hmm. Well, you did inherit one through your fiance. Can I we did. talk about him? Oh yeah. Because I, that's the thing. Your fiance is a political writer. Yes. For a news news organization in Columbus, Ohio. He is. So I'm always so nervous to like talk about him because I don't want to like bring up his political views. But I mean, you know. Your political views stand alone. Yes. You know, take what you will. And, and that, you know, I'm just like, I don't want to talk about him because I'm like, I don't want to get him in trouble because I mean, journalistic integrity and all that. Yeah, well, he's not here to speak for himself, so we don't have to get into his views. But suffice exactly. it to say yeah, to that, that he is very familiar with my views and is choosing to marry me for a reason. <laughs> so... 
that's Take all she what wrote. You will. Well, and that's the thing. I wish. I, I do you think you would ever do a podcast with me? Probably Just not. I want to know his views on political integrity. Not political integrity. Journalistic integrity. He's. He's also just very shy, so nothing yeah. against you, but he's not a podcast. So maybe a boring podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, but uh, there's Pancake J.K. Rowling. J.K. No, meowing. J.K. Meowing. I knew I was going to get it wrong. Uh, and then there's Connie, Bronnie, Bonnie, Benny, Donnie, Donnie, Donnie. <laughs> Which caveat? He was named Donnie when I rescued him. I did not name him after 45. Okay, it. I thought about changing his name, but Donnie's kind of a doofusy name, and he's I, a, he's a doofusy cat, and nobody who knows me is gonna think I named my cat after right. uh, well, Cheeto Hitler. So I'm not really worried. <laughs> well, see, I, my grandmother, her name is Delma, but her nickname is Donnie. Um, so that's where I go to first with mine, and then I think Donnie <laughs> Wahlberg from uh, New Kids on the Block. So. Okay. Okay. Oh, cool. Oh. oh, oh, oh. Anyway, um, but yeah, how's your trip been so far? It's been quite lovely, Kyle, thanks to you and Ethan. Y'all have taken me around to some very fabulous bookstores. Mm-hmm. We've gotten some delicious food delivered. We have tramped all up and down Manhattan. I'm going to say, those flops last night were delish. We um, can order those again. <laughs> just but saying. you know what's funny? The listeners of this podcast do not know Ethan. Oh, Ethan hasn't been He's on the not show. Been here. Oh, we that's right. We haven't been able to uh, arrange our schedules. Should we talk about Ethan? I, well, what do you want to say about Ethan? Well, so Ethan and I met when we were five years old. We were both like... I think we knew, even as kids, that we were different and super liberal and bright blue dots, even though we didn't have the language for that in kindergarten, obviously. But there's a reason he and I gravitated toward one another. And so we went to this private fundamentalist Baptist Christian school. I was and about to say, it's a private know? Christian school. Yeah, uh, that was real indoctrinated, uh-huh. let me tell you. Uh, but do you know the story of how we became friends? No. Well, then I'll tell you and the listeners. So on the playground at the school there was like this bridge thing that had like a platform and then like a wooden chain bridge Mm -hmm. and then another platform and it had like a slide off one end and like a rock wall kind of thing and a pole you could slide down. It was supposed to look like a pirate ship but they failed. There was no (laughs) nautical elements. In Forestdale, Alabama. (laughs) Who would have thought? (laughs) Yeah, so one day in K5, Ethan is under one of the platforms like there's no play stuff under there he's just under it and he's like curled up in a ball like on his knees and I see him under there and so I get on top of the platform and I hang down over my waist where I'm like upside down and I see him and he's got his eyes closed and his hands folded and I said hey and he looks up like he's praying yes Uh, so he looks up like he's terrified and I said what are you doing and he said I'm I'm praying. He was really like shy and scared, and I said, Aww. "Do you want to be friends?" And he was like, "Yeah." And he told me years later, he was like, "That day, I was praying for a friend." 
Oh, that makes me want to cry. I know. Like, I want to cry right now. Just, I and never so, knew that story. Yeah, so we met when we were five and helped each other survive this fundamentalist Baptist hellhole. Right. Um, that, I mean, and that the crazy really makes people me so in emotional. it. And then we didn't go to school together for middle school or high school, which I was really sad about. But we talked on the phone and then texted when we got cell phones, the Razor flip phones. Obviously, I had a hot pink one because I was cool. Yeah. Uh, and then we ended up going to the same college, and then uh, y'all moved here, you know, in the mm-hmm. middle of college. Because we met in college. Yes. Um, yeah. And then, well, we didn't move to New York in the middle of college. College was already over and everything when we got here four years ago. Oh, well, not for Ethan. Oh, yeah, well, he, <laughs> he took a different path, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> but he's doing great. Don't y'all worry. Well, I have, a co- I have more education than Ethan does. And he's always made more money than me, so everybody's path, every path is, different. is different. But and but yeah, so, so then funny. we and we've obviously stayed friends since why I'm here, and I just right. adore him. Well, and yeah, you and I have gotten to be so. I, I just love the friendship you and I have found. Like, there's no way you and I would have ever found this friendship without everything that's happened. But I love the friendship you and I have so much like you're one of my favorite people in the world Aww. but like I'm still like shook from that I'm, I'm still shaken hello my southern comes out a little bit sometimes <laughs> I'm still shaken from that story because that's not really he's a he's a shy quieter person yeah um seven years in my proximity he's become much more bold and emboldened with his words thoughts and actions um but yeah, I've always been the one struggling with friendships. Like friendships are so important to me and they just he's never made such like he's never stressed about friends. He's always had the friends he has. He loves his friends. So for him to know that he's been like hoping and wishing and praying for a friend like you. I had no idea came. at the time, you know, but then yeah. like I remember he told me that and I was like, "Oh." Because There'll be a time in the universe of Kyle Leon Henderson where people will know him, see him, and know what he looks like, and maybe I can even get some baby pictures. He was just so timid and so tender when he was a child, and it's just like, it just breaks my heart that he was, that he might have been without a friend for an even even a day. Well, and like, some so. of the kids were shitty to him. Like, I remember this one kid came to school one day and was like, and okay, we were in like either K-5 or first grade when this happened, and he was like, guess what, y'all? I went hunting with my dad and we shot Bambi! And then he was like going around talking about how he shot Bambi. He's such a badass because he killed a deer, because that's what you do in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And then like, it really upset Ethan because he had recently seen Bambi and was upset that like this kid in our class shot Bambi and like this asshole was making him cry. I didn't realize I had the uh, air still oh, on. I forgot to. It's okay. Hopefully the the sound is good. Who knows? But anyway, uh, go ahead. So yeah, and I that just, just breaks my heart. Like I and can't. I remember like telling him like, don't worry, Ethan. There's lots of Bambies. Like so, you really were just always his friend that just like just held him up kept bucked him up well I mean he's just so hard not to love like it's like when you meet Ethan how can you not love him he's so great mm-hmm. yeah well I, I agree <laughs> but um but yeah so so I'm gonna take another break real quick my coffee kicked in gotta go to the you know 
little little boy's room. But when we come back, I want to talk about a little bit about the world we escaped. So Southern Charm. When we come back. Well, something that people are probably wondering about is how incredibly Southern you are. (laughs) (laughs) I guess the draw was kind of hard to hide. Well, it's interesting because you're a writer and some of the most prolific writers of our time, of any time, have been Southern writers. Yeah. Southern draws. There was, you know, we have Margaret Mitchell and um, and Harper Lee and Truman Capote and Flannery O'Connor. Flannery O'Connor of Scott Fitzgerald. Was he Southern? No, he's from Minneapolis. His wife was Southern, though. Zel- oh, yeah, Zelda, yeah. Zelda was from Montgomery, so I just yes. assumed that. Um, but yeah, we've got tons of, of Tennessee Williams. Hello. Yes. Um, so you, you, and you really do fit in with that group. Why, thank you. But... <laughs> Where we come from, there's also the non-sophisticated, the non-polished group. Oh, yeah. There's, like, your, you know, kind of what what you think of when you think of, like, the southern gentry. Like, that's attitude is still mm-hmm. around. But then there's, like, straight-up redneck types <laughs> um, who go on Jerry Springer. Right. That, that variety. But, you know, most of them... Most of, pe- most of the people we grew up around fell somewhere in between. Yeah. They fell somewhere in between, but the thing about all Southerners is they have customs and language and traditions that are a little bit funny, a little bit tender, and, you know, endearing. Yeah. And some of them are just downright weird. Yeah. So, yeah. But what are, what are some of your favorite things that you have within you being an, a southern gal that you've taken to Ohio that they don't have in Ohio or Oh my else. god, every time I open my mouth, Ohioans <laughs> laugh their asses off. I mean, and you even saw it today when we went in that Amazon bookstore and I said I needed a drink because I'm parched and this flower is Wilton <laughs> and that bookseller about lost her shit. Mm-hmm. She was laughing. She was dying because she, she said she was from Massachusetts, I think. Yeah, like the Boston area. And so she just didn't know what to make of you. No. So, and I'm like, you better get your life together, Amanda, because one day you're going to be selling her books. <laughs> Bye, babe. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so what's some of your favorite? Because, uh, um, so yeah, um, I'm just endlessly fascinated and enamored with the language because just when I think I've heard all the Southern idioms, Mm -hmm. somebody says something, like, whether it's in my family or, like, friends from home, and I've never thought of wording it quite like that before. And as a writer, that's fascinating to me that, you know, people just make up these... I mean, Southern idioms are essentially creative writing that just becomes mainstream. Right. Well, and two, what's fascinating to me about Southern idioms is there's no other way in the English language to, like, perfectly describe... I mean, it's like... (laughs) It's like an, an, a simile or a metaphor that just really 
is very specific when you're trying to say something. Yeah. That's what's interesting to me. Some of my favorites are, of course, about the unbearable heat. Like, I'm sweating like a whore in church. My... (laughs) It's hotter than a bitch in heat. Well, that's... I was about to say, that's my favorite. My my (laughs) friend Tracy, um, who will be on the podcast later because she started, she was the beginning of we, of Kyle's Friends Are Funny. She taught me one on the train when I met her that because the, they turned the air off at one point and she said, oh God, I'm hot as a bitch wolf in heat. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, oh my gosh, I've never even heard that. But yeah. But, like, yeah, we heard all of them Oh, and then, like, and cold in Alabama, at least, is, like, what, 30 degrees? Sometimes it might dip colder than that. But, I mean, I remember, even as a kid, my mother would say, it is colder than a witch's titty. And I would think... (laughs) See, my dad added a part. I don't know where he got it, but he said it's cold as a witch's titty in a brass bra. (laughs) Another one I love is more nervous than a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Because even if you've never seen a long-tailed cat, even if you've never sat in a rocking chair, you know that feeling. You hear that idiom, and you know what that is. Right, exactly. Well, my grandfather, um, he always said stuff that was like, he'd always say like, it's hotter than a two-dick billy goat in the middle of mating season. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which, really, if you're honest, it just that doesn't really convey a whole lot. Because <laughs> who, who the heck knows how hot a two-dick billy goat is? But still, I mean, you imagine it's pretty hot. I mean, but it's so much more fun than just saying, oh, it's hot outside. Or, mm-hmm. oh, that person's really nervous, you know, or... Well, and it's better than what we heard today when that girl was... That girl for the eclipse, she goes, that is, re- that is literally amazing. Like, and that is literally so cool. That's, that's a literally, dumb way of saying it. She just kept anything. saying it over and she over. literally such a... Like, she wouldn't, like, make it the most amazing thing in the world. She just made it, like, literally pretty okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's not a thing. Right. So, I love how specific that, they are, that Southern idioms can... Let you let it let things get. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And one of my favorites is like my mother would say this for somebody who was highfalutin or somebody fancy. She would say, <laughs> "Well, they just think they're shitting in high cotton, don't they?" <laughs> That's an old country song, high cotton. I think it's Alabama. Yeah. That, that actually sang it. Um, but also, like Southerners don't just. Um, like have idioms that they, they have a weird way of call, saying things too like yeah. like naming things like i remember um some people i'm not going to mention who because the person who i actually heard it from would probably be mad if i gave her credit for this but she would say well you don't have to worry about getting all dressed up just take a whore bath yes <laughs> or you know pits like tits that. and ass pits, that's a whore bath ass, you know all the you know or pull a michael jackson <laughs> so <laughs> you can't see the dance that i just did so um but also <laughs> like i mean growing up whenever we'd go grocery shopping the store cart was a buggy, a buggy. and then my fiance who's from columbus like i told him one day yeah, like oh there? go get a buggy and he was like oh what and i said a buggy and he goes you mean a cart and i said okay. yeah and he says a buggy's what the amish drive up in rural ohio <laughs> he would know he's in ohio <laughs> no in boston they call that a um a, a carriage which is weird too so, I mean, it's fancy buggy. 
Sure. <laughs> I guess if you shop at Target. The Target. Um, but. <laughs> yeah, it's just a very strange place. And it does take some. I can imagine if you're not from the South and you move there, it really takes some getting used to. Especially, like, if Southerners are talking fast. Because it's like, there are, like, two kinds of Southern. You know, there are, like, mm-hmm. the people who talk real fast like this and you can't mm-hmm. understand what right. they say. Or there's the people who talk because real slow. Right. Together. And I hate it whenever I, like, get an audiobook from the library and it's, like, a Southern book and the person thinks that all you have to do to do a southern accent is just talk slow and mm-hmm. it's like no honey the accent is there regardless of the speed right. of speech. Exactly. I mean it's hard people want to it's hard to do a southern accent on camera or it's hard to do a southern accent on camera to not sound um stupid. Yeah like, it's like really mentally hard. Like unintelligent. But it's almost like when they say that people in the U.S. can't do English accents well. It's mm-hmm. true that, like, if you're not from the South, you cannot do a Southern accent well. well because it comes out sounding like a Georgia dripping page. And, just yeah, exactly. dripping, dripping with dripping sweet, and, tea. sweet tea. And, and it just that. sounds stupid. But, you know, the, the culture, though, I do miss the culture. Um... A I miss little bit. Some things, but not well, others. Okay, let me let me reiterate. I don't miss the culture. I love being able to use it to my advantage now. Now that I live in the north, so just because I can employ the shade that we because we all grew up in church with church ladies and the shade that they can throw, like the ultimate southern idiom. Why bless your heart? Exactly. And um, I always say, if you see two women in church whispering and giggling, you can bet they're talking about a third lady in church. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you so, think a Southerner's talking about you, it is, it's because they true. are. They it's are talking about true. you. Um, but, yeah, that's just the world we grew up in where we... And I think that's why you're... You might, I, I just had an epiphany. What? Because that is why you are a good writer and that is why Southerners are great writers because they can say so much with so little and it can burn so deep. Well, s- Southerners are like born storytellers, like mm-hmm. even the ones who aren't writers because like Southerners love to like sit around and regale each other with like the latest news and gossip, mm-hmm. you know, and you and of course somewhere it gets embellished and there you have a story. Right. And, well, and, and that's how folklore like the Hatfields and the McCoy become mm-hmm. folklore. Yeah. And we still, I mean, we all have those folklores of where we grew up. We know about the tra- the town trollop. Oh, or, of course. Or we know about the drunk who oh. always gets himself into trouble. And it even gets into, like, mythological, creep-tastic territory. Like, oh, yeah. think about the, uh, what is it, the, the sipsy, sipsy creature? creature? Yes. Oh, well, Ethan will tell a story about a sipsy creature all day. He loves that story. Yeah. Tell us what it is. <laughs> well, I'm, I don't know the story well enough uh, to tell it, so I'll just wait and let Ethan tell it whenever he can get himself on the show. Or, I mean... Unless you know it. Do you I, know it? I think I do. I'm gonna... Well, tell me what you know, and if it's wrong, I'll let Ethan tell it. Okay. Tell, I'll let Ethan give you a retraction later. Okay, so the way it was told to me is that in Walker County, which is like Alabama's asshole, <laughs> no offense <laughs> if you're from Walker County. Um, I'm going to stop you there and say I do mean offense if you're from Walker County. Y'all need to get your life together. <laughs> 
<laughs> but because anyway. I got into a Facebook fight with somebody who grew a beard because he wanted to after he played Jesus in a church play. Great. Fast. Uh, sure, dude. Whatever I'll give you two guesses right. of whether or not he liked Trump. Oh, God. <laughs> the first one doesn't count. Uh-huh. So the way it was told to me uh, is that there's a bridge in Walker County that, like, many years ago, like in the 1800s, a mother, I guess, crazed on postpartum depression, somehow threw her baby off the bridge, and the baby drowned, and it was like the town scandal. And so they say if you cross the bridge on foot and you... Uh, at night, of course, and you leave candy on the bridge, as one does, just throw out some candy on a bridge, then you'll see the ghost of the baby, like, crossing the bridge, and then shortly thereafter, you will see the sipsy creature, which is, like, I guess the equivalent of, like, a yeti or the sasquatch, but they say it's very tall, and it's covered in solid black fur, and it has large yellow eyes with a slit, and the it'll tear up your car and just fuck you up royally. <laughs> God! That does sound, that sounds similar to a, a folklore we have in my town where, um, because there is a road, um, I, I think it's High, County Road 222 in Cold Springs all the way down through Coleman. There, it, you go down into a, a hollow. A holler. Or you go down into the holler, but, the, but that part of the road is called Crybaby Holler. Well, and that... that's why, and that that was part. That's what I'd grown up hearing that when you cross the bridge, and I've heard this. This is it's this is the weird part when you when you're on the bridge. If you stop, stop your car fully, and you roll your windows down, you can hear the baby crying, and you can. I can, I've heard it. Really, but they say that if you uh, leave some candy or leave a treat for the baby, you can you'll the, the crying will stop and you'll hear the baby giggle. Oh, isn't that creepy as hell? I haven't heard that. That part. is so creepy, and that, and that's what it's called. It's called Crybaby Holler. Oh yeah, and there's always like I know a girl who lived there. I'd be like, I'd be too afraid to live there. Oh yeah, in and the holler. There's always like tales of a shack in the woods where bad things happen. Like I'll actually never forget. Uh, there was this girl I was friends with when I was like eleven. Uh, I'm not going to say her name, but I'll tell y'all later, because Ethan would probably remember her. Uh, I went to her house, and she had just moved into the subdivision in Kimberly, which is like rural Jefferson County, Alabama. Uh, And we went exploring in the woods, and we actually happened upon a shack that was, like, falling apart. Oh, my god! And so, you know, we were 11 and, like, fearless at the time, so we just, like, went in and... It was clear that whoever lived there had left in a hurry. There was like no road going to the shack. Like these were this was like mountain people who I guess got in and out on foot or on horseback because they didn't have a driveway. There was no road. It was just literally a shack in the middle of the woods. And so we walked in and it looks like the fifties. Like there's that old refrigerator and stuff, and there was like food left in it, you know, that have of course been disgusting. Mm. And then we walk into like the living room area and the bathroom, the bedroom, and there's like piles of old clothes just like strewn all over the floor. And there's like somebody written phone numbers like directly on the kitchen wallpaper. Oh my god! And like, so, so they it, had a phone. 
Yeah, there was like a cord phone in there, which like I don't so even. There was a setup, and they left in a hurry. Yeah, and the, it, if there was like, a, if there, there was like a furni- path to it. It's grown up now, right? Like furniture was toppled over. Like there was a rusted like bunk bed with mattresses ripped open. Like somebody came in, ransacked the place, and then got the fuck out of there. And we were fascinated. And, like, we looked around and, like, you know, there were some magazines there. Uh, I remember there was one magazine. I can't remember the name of it, but I remember it was from, like, the early 90s because it talked about Notorious B.I.G.'s death on the cover. Oh, my god! So, I mean, and I didn't know who Notorious B.I.G. was. I had to go home and Google him because I was like, I need, this is a clue. I got to find you out. You didn't know who a, a okay. rapper was? Shocking. Not at all. 11, right. No. Now, well, you would now because you're, you're, um, yeah, you, you would now. <laughs> but I mean, that's just, it's so funny because, like, we just have so many different, like, the South is just, it's endlessly fascinating. And I'm somebody, and Ethan, not as much as me, but I'm somebody who I'm very proud that I came from there. In the fact that, like, I and what I mean by Ethan not so much is that I'm keeping it alive and I'm using it as part of who I am to get through life in the way that I do. Um, I have mixed feelings because, like, there are definitely some things I miss, like the idioms, and I miss the food. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. who doesn't love fried shit? Well, th- th- and I was who doesn't say, love the sweet tea? Have the best food, but I do not miss the overt racism. Like, obviously, there's racism and hate everywhere, but like seeing it so overt, like, right. no, nah, I don't miss that at all. It, well, and now it's as overt as it ever has been. Well, yeah, because Trump is involved all these racist pricks. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think we should take a little break to order some food on Grubhub. But when we come back, I want to play a little rapid-fire session of Mandy's thoughts on things that happened. Sounds good. Alright, well, you and I have always been the type to keep in touch with news events, pop culture, and things going on around the world, but this summer we have been lacking behind, so I want to do a really quick catch-up. So I'm going to give you my list of things I need your opinion on for our friendship to continue thriving, and I just want you to give me your instant thoughts. Okay. Because we got to get caught up. So, item number one, Taylor Swift and the sexual assault scandal. Uh, I'm really glad that the judge ruled in her favor, and I know it was just a $1 symbolic gesture, but I think it's a really important statement that the public needs to hear because so long women have felt like, what's the point of even reporting these things because everybody's just going to victim blame us or they think we deserved it somehow or people are like, oh, that's, you know, not so bad. You're fine, you know, and too often women's stories have been ignored. So I'm really glad that, and I'm sure she got the exposure she did because she's a celebrity, but I'm still really glad that the judge ruled in her favor because that's what we need. Women need to be believed and listened to. And what do you think of her music? I mean, honestly, don't care. I mean, I'm sorry. I just okay. I just don't Next keep item. up with her. Uh, Roseanne coming back. 
sure, great. I mean, I I never saw the original show, so I'm like, okay, cool. All you know? right. What about Aaron Carter? What are your thoughts on him? Oh, gosh. Uh, I totally had a crush on him when I was, like, nine, but, you know. He just came out as bisexual, so you're half as likely to ever sleep with him. <laughs> well, I mean, good for him for coming out, but I've heard there was some issues around that, so... To be continued, I guess. To be continued. Uh, James Comey. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> just the whole White House is a shit show right now. I mean, it's just all... Is that in the White House? Well, true, but just everything <laughs> coming out of Washington is a shit show. Like, good for him for, like, speaking his truth and doing his thing, but he also is part of the reason why we're in this mess, because he, like you know, really got on Hillary's case about her emails, never mind that Bush and everybody else who's had email has done the exact same shit. Good deal. Sean Spicer. Oh, spicy. Uh, I mean, it's like he was obviously so terrible at his job, and he just could not handle the pressure that comes with being press secretary. <laughs> uh, so it's on the one hand, it's really good he's out, but on the other hand, I mean... He was so. What's her name? Uh, playing him on SNL was just priceless. Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. Yes, it's a sad day for Melissa McCarthy. Yep, I had a friend who said I love Alec Baldwin, and he's one of my favorite actors. But job security for him for the next four years was not enough for us to need Donald Trump as president. Right. Seriously. So sorry, Melissa McCarthy, but find a new character. Do another blockbuster. Um, Tina Fey. Let them eat cake. I mean, I think her intentions were good, but I mean, don't tell people not to go out and protest because clearly it works. I mean, I literally just read right before we did this that uh, the Nazis and white supremacists canceled 67 of their rallies across 36 states, you know, because of the volume of counter-protesters that showed up. So clearly it works. So did you take it as satire or did you take it as her being misguided? Uh, because that, I guess that's the little... counter argument that it's all satire and people need to learn how to read and hear and watch and listen to satire. Well, the thing is, like, I actually was an English major and, like, took a whole class on satire. And the thing f- that satire has to have for it to work properly is that you can't break character and get out of satire. Like, once you're in it, you have to stay in it for the duration of, like, the writing or the performance or whatever. Like Stephen Other- Right. Otherwise, it confuses people. So she also dropped some serious truth bombs that I think, you know, all liberal-minded people would agree with. And so even if the sheet cake itself and like her saying like, oh, don't go out, just eat cake was satire because she broke character. People didn't take it as such. Mm. So to me, she just had a comedic mishap that was unfortunate because she is a comedic professional and should know how to do satire. Fair enough. Beyonce has twins. I mean, good for her. Yay, babies. Uh, I mean, Queen Bay just needs to please fill up the world with her greatness. But I also, there's a part of me that's like, why are you still having babies with this man who cheated on you? I mean, obviously it's between them, but I'm like, if I was going to be having somebody's kids, I'd make sure they wasn't running around on me. But that's you, Bay. You do you, girl. <laughs> well, and you know, I, 
this whole th- this whole Beyonce and Jay Z thing is getting complicated because she writes Lemonade and then he follows up with Four 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 and it's like mm-hmm. how many albums are is, is the albums the new tabloids are we gonna have to buy all the new albums just to get the full story? So finally, Kesha praying. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that her album was really good because I feel like she needs it and we need it. I mean, I cannot imagine having to go to work every day and try to do the thing I loved and be forced to be in the proximity of somebody who raped me. Like, I cannot imagine, like, the pain of that every single day. So... I'm, I hate that she has to do it because, you know, if she needed a break or she wanted to go somewhere else, I really think she should have been able to do that. But obviously the contract and the judge wouldn't allow her to do that. So I feel like I'm proud of her for making the best out of a really shitty situation because she is just rocking it with her new music. And, you know, she's given him the finger in the only way that she can right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I have predicted correctly for the last four years, Album of the Year at the Grammys. Oh. And I've already made the prediction that Kesha is going to get Album of the Year this year. So, just putting that out there, official prediction. But that's it. That's all the news that we needed to cover. We Everything else we got to. And now we can get ready for fall. Yeah. So, I mean, give I'm a basic white bitch, so give me all the pumpkin spice, everything. Just send it to my house. I'll thank you. I am I'm a basic bitch too. I love I love to be a part of the group. I love to be a part of the seasons changing. I, I love to carve pumpkins. I love scarves. I love apple picking upstate. That is going to be one thing that I miss about living in New York once we're in California. I'm sure there'll be something equally autumny that we can do in California, but I I do love all the basic white bitch stuff that we do. Oh yeah, my Instagram is going to be full up with like, here's a picture of my feet in boots around fallen leaves, and look at my chunky cable knit sweater in front of the fire, and oh, watch me read with this cup of tea in my hand. Okay, you're more basic white bitch than I am. I'm so basic. So on that note... Well, as in every episode, I like to have a segment I call Recommendations because you always read a book or go to a restaurant or see a new show or buy a new product that you just love so much you got to pass along. So, do you have any recommendations for your fans and fellow listeners? Oh my gosh, I have tons. Uh, well, so. pick your t- few favorites. <laughs> uh, I read a lot, so I'm going to give you all some book recommendations. Uh, Which is always welcome. Yes. So, first, I would say Behold the Dreamers by Mbulu Mbue. I'm, I'm not in, totally sure I pronounced her name right, uh, but she is a Cameroonian author and Behold the Dreamers is her debut novel. It is set in New York City. It is about a Cameroonian immigrant family who is trying to make it in the city around the time of the housing crisis and the like the two thousand oh okay two thousand eight yeah and shit hits the fan. It was uh, recently chosen for Oprah's book club. Oh um, yeah. Yep. And it's really, really good. I know some people hear Oprah's Book Club and they're like, oh, I don't want to read that. And Well, I have like, news for my listeners. If you don't like Oprah, then you need to just turn this off because she's the queen. I mean, I agree. <laughs> I Everybody knows that I love her. I'm obsessed with her. 
Well, she has pretty good taste in books. Well, that's my life goal, is to read every book that she ever selected for the old Oprah's Book Club. She kind of... She ended that one and started a new one because she said all she was reading was books that were considerations for the book club, and she could never just read a book because she wanted to. Yeah. So she stopped, and now she just sporadically releases a book when she finds one that she can't help but share. Yeah. So that that's like an even heightened oh, sense yeah. of how good this book is. Exactly. So... I would also recommend the novel The Mothers by Britt Bennett. I heard her speak. She came to, like to an art center that's like two miles from my house a couple of weeks ago, and mm-hmm. I was so excited because she's brilliant. And it is uh, a somewhat controversial book, as it were, because the protagonist has an abortion, and oh, wow. it affects different people in the story differently, mm-hmm. and there's all kinds of fallout from that, and this fascinating and wonderful I would also recommend The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas because uh, it is the book we need right now. I was about to say, I saw that on the shelf at the bookstore the other day and yes. I was I was so intrigued by it. So I'm glad that you recommended it. Yes, it's so good. It's a young adult novel about a young girl who is out with her best friend <laughs> when they get pulled over by the cops and the cop shoots him. And they're both black, so it's about pr- police brutality and mm-hmm. communities of color and essentially like a Ferguson situation breaks out in her neighborhood. Oh, wow. And so the book is about how she and her family and everybody around her processes and deals with that. And since she was there and it happened, like, she's in the media and... Wow. It's it's the book we need right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, seriously. Um, I would also recommend... Anything by Ta-Nehisi Coates, just go, just mm-hmm. go get it. Just read everything he does. He's hot right now. He's, People, his name is popping up everywhere. He's on TV he's shows. Brilliant. He's on NPR. I mean, <clears throat> he's just so brilliant. <clears throat> I mean, I totally see why he's everywhere because we need his voice. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I would also <clears throat> say me. The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. It's mm-hmm. more of a textbook. She is a, I believe, a law professor or maybe mm-hmm. social studies professor. Uh, but she talks about mass incarceration mm-hmm. in the U.S., particularly in black communities. Well, and that book is, uh, I think it's four or five years old now. Yeah. But it was relevant four and five years ago. It's mm-hmm. relevant today. If you... We're told it was written 10, 20 years ago. It would be relevant. and Oh, yeah. I'm hoping it's not relevant it's five like, to ten years from now. It's like the kind of thing you don't want to be relevant, but right. it's like as long as it is, we owe it to ourselves I, to educate ourselves. I hope that it's not a relevant book to read for today's factual information t- ten years from now. Yeah. But you gave us a plethora of Indeed. of genres and happy books, sad books, thoughtful yeah. books, informative books from your reading summer reading list. Um, do you have any non books recommendations? Um, yeah, like right now, uh, I'm really loving this makeup brand Glossier because mm. I don't like to put on a lot of makeup. Like, I mean, I wish I could be creative and do like bat wings and do cool shit with eyeshadow, but that's just not how I roll. I guess you're a natural uh, beauty. Oh, thank you. So, Glossier is like, here are these, you know, natural color products. You get, like, five color selections tops. Most of them look good on every skin color. They're all, like, mattes and neutrals. Mm -hmm. And you just pick what you want, and it just naturally enhances what 
You already have. Well, you look beautiful, so it's working. Well, thank you. I have a recommendation. Um, as ever, as you know, we've talked about it earlier on the episode. We are moving to California, and we had all the options of how to get our stuff somewhere because we're the type of people who have a lot of stuff. Because I like my books and I like my gadgets and I like and we love our kitchen gadgets to help us cook and they're so necessary in New York. So we have so much stuff and we were gonna either um, drive a U-Haul out ourselves or it was just we had all these options, but we did find that Pods, the portable on-demand storage, was the most helpful. They had the best customer service. And also, because we're our move has been broken up from, we're not moving directly from New York to California. We are moving to another place in New York for a few months because we have some projects we have to finish up before we can leave town. And so we needed some place to store it. So that was the solution that Pods gave us. They're going to come tomorrow. Uh, hope you're ready. <laughs> They're coming tomorrow to deliver the pod, which is just a box of... Uh, that they're going to sit on the street and we're going to fill it with all of our stuff and they're going to take it to their warehouse and they're going to store it for not a lot of money. For all the for all the good stuff they do, it was not a lot of money um, to store it, and they'll it'll be a small monthly fee to keep it stored. And then once we get settled in L.A., we can call them and they'll deliver it straight to our house in L.A. Um, we thought it was going to be about $900 more expensive to do pods. Turns out they had discounts and they had helpful advisors and we wound up saving $1,000 doing pods over renting a truck and renting the storage space ourselves. So it just made our lives so much easier. So I'm not a paid spokesperson from pods, but I do recommend pods to anyone who's moving because moving is the quickest way to get yourself into a knife fight with your partner. Just saying. Oh, yeah. It's the most stressful thing in the world. I'd rather have electroshock therapy than have to deal with moving, but... Well, and you said that they had really good customer service. Mm -hmm. I feel like bad customer service is the quickest way to get into a knife fight with the company. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, Lord. I work in customer service, and I know how how hard I try to please people. And so when I sense that people don't even try to help me, I'm like, Mm -hmm. bitch, I will come (laughs) apart on you. Right. Once you've worked on that other side of the curtain. I have unreasonably high standards. I I do too. Ethan gets so mad at me because he's like, you expect the world. I'm like, you have one job. Customer service. I'm your customer. But that's because I've worked in customer service. Mm -hmm. And It's like once you work in customer service, you cannot have bad customer service customer service. you lose your shit otherwise. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But yeah, Pods had impeccable customer service. And they were so helpful, they called just to check in on us the other day. Who does that? So yeah, I recommend Pods, but there is another summer show. It's been on a couple of seasons, but it is my guilty pleasure... Almost not a guilty pleasure, just a pleasure, but it is little chunks of, like, wonderfulness in my life every night before I go to bed, and that's the television show Younger. It's by Darren Starr, um, who who was, you know, an executive producer of uh, Sex and the City. It's set in New York. It's a woman who is 40 years old, and she... 
um, was married with a daughter. She was working in publishing, but then she quit to raise her daughter. But then her husband cheated on her with a much younger woman, and so they're getting a divorce. And so she wants, and her daughter is a senior in high school, so she wants to get back into the publishing world. But she finds the 15 years she was out of commission, um, the publishing world has changed, and they think she's too old to start where she pick up where she left off. And so her fabulously glamorous uh, lesbian best friend who is an artist in uh, Williamsburg says, well, if they won't hire you because you're 40, just tell them you're 26. Because she found out she went to a bar and a guy at the bar thought she was 26. And so she's like, you can pass, so just tell them. And so she does. She tells them that she's 26 and she gets the job. And then she's an up-and-coming person in publishing, but she has to balance the lies that she has, she has told to get there. And she has to decide, do I tell the people that are in my life now that I've built these relationships with, or will they feel betrayed by my truths? And over the course of four seasons, you find out that lies can be complicated if necessary, but it's, it's a really cute show. They do ten episodes a season, and they sort of move the story along pretty quickly in these ten episodes, but it the writing is fast and quick and witty, just like Sex and the City. Cool. So it's a really great show for a summer series. Um, it stars Sutton Foster of Broadway fame um, <clears throat> and Hilary Duff of Lizzie McGuire fame. What? Um, and also there's a new guy on there called, named Nico Tortorelli. Tortorella. And he has a podcast as well about um, the about gender and sexual fluidity. Fascinating. So he, yeah, it's it's just it's like a surprise runaway hit for TV Land, and I love it. So that's our recommendations, and yeah, enjoy. Hopefully, you found something for this summer to make you feel great. That's our show. That is what we've done today. So, before we go, i got to make sure everybody knows how to follow you because you are the most fascinating book reviewer, book blogger that I know or don't know. You're just the best. So, well, if you, you want to know more about Mandy professionally, go to offthebeatenshelf.com. That is her book blog. Tell us a little bit about your book blog. So, uh, I occasionally do book reviews. I'll also just write about reader culture in general. I'll write about sometimes I'll give writing tips just if it has to do with books, reading, publishing, libraries, anything in that vein. It will it is subject to be covered. And how do people follow you on social media? On Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Fixed Baroque. That's F-I-X-E-D-B-A-R-O-Q-U-E. It's from the uh, Disney movie Beauty and the Beast. If it's not Baroque, don't fix it, in case you're wondering. And is there anything else we should know about you and your brand? Well, I'm a writer, so if you go to offthebeatenshelf.com, you will see a writing tab. You can click that to read some of my stuff, or if you follow me on Twitter, I have a pinned tweet with a link to that page. And please go read my essays on the internet. I'm a woman of many and strong opinions. That is very evident. <laughs> And you can follow me at Kyle L. Henderson on Twitter, at Kyle.L.Henderson on Instagram. 
You can also follow us on the page. We have a Facebook group called We Need to Talk. So it's public and you should join because that is the way we keep the conversation going. I take things from We Need to Talk the page to the podcast and I take things from We Need to Talk the podcast to the page. The conversation never stops. And as always, we do need iTunes reviews. They do help because... The more people who review us and give us a good review, the more people who will see us, and the more this conversation of love and laughter and important issues will continue. And now that our food has arrived, we're going to go eat. So I hope everybody enjoys the rest of their week.